Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. So Chrissy McGarry, you are the Chief Operating Officer of Second Front, found at secondfront.com. Thank you so much for joining me on Listening with Leaders. Thank you for having me today, Doug. So you are a, a, a unique executive officer because you are a female working, a woman working in defense and security, which I think is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your journey, how you ended up where you are. Yeah. So um, I was in the beverage industry for about five and a half years. Um, I worked for Red Bull and then E&J Gallo Winery. Um, right out of college, moved from the Midwest out to California, um, where I got all of my sales and management training experience. And then um, uh, moved back to the Midwest and got into tech. I uh, was just having regular conversations with um, and some friends and um, someone said, hey, you should you should apply to be an account executive at Motorola Solutions. And I knew nothing about technology, really, but I knew it was it was the industry to start getting into. And I always I always tell the joke, um, you know, the beverage industry and the tech industry, you know, in good times and in bad people are buying booze and technology. So I was I was safe from a, a sales standpoint, um, sales and marketing so went over to Motorola Solutions. Um, they were acquired by Zebra Technologies about um, nine months into my time there, transitioned to Zebra, and then um, started working for Salesforce, got into software after the hardware. And um, it was then I went back to school, um, got my MBA. And as I was completing my MBA, um, reconnected with Peter, our founder and CEO of Second Front, Peter Dixon. And um, he asked me to come on board. And I joked with him, started laughing. I said, Peter, <laughs> you know that I don't have a military background nor national security. And he's like, we've got that covered. Um, we need someone with commercial SaaS background, someone who understands the importance of laying down the groundwork and the foundation of, of sales and marketing teams and, and putting together the processes and implementing them and, and gathering teams and all of that. So that's where I, that's where I started. Wow. And so as the chief operating officer, what are your, what are your basic responsibilities? So they have morphed, right? So I grew into this role and um, being at the stage that we are now. So I was the first um, longest standing employee here. So there's the three founders and then me, and now the additional 79 Wow. which is wild to think about. So it's been about four and a half years. Um, so I, when I took on the COO role uh, last May, so it's been about a year, um, I also had, I was also interim CFO. So I had both roles until about two months ago. Um, so HR, IT, um, compliance and governance, 
All of that fun stuff was me. I had marketing for a little bit as well, but we now have a CMO. So that, that got to transition out. Um, but, um, and then board and investor relations, um, that, that still falls with me. I used to have partnerships and alliances, but now we have a growth team and we have a partnerships and alliance director. So it's been neat to be a part of all of the beginnings of these teams and then hiring experts in, in their fields and what they do and having them kind of take charge and, and pick up where I left off and, and make it better. <laughs> well, so tell us exactly what Second Front does. Yeah. So Second Front is a venture-backed uh, software company, and we work to equip defense and national security professionals with um, emerging technology. So what I mean by that is, unfortunately, um, contrary to what the general population might think, um, our warfighters don't have the best technologies in hand. And the reason why is because there's a lot of bureaucratic red tape that um, from a security standpoint, which is always good, right? There's there's requirements that need to be met in order for those technologies to um, be utilized um, by DOD users, right? And government users. So what our platform um, game warden, what our platform does is enables the acceleration of acquiring those types of technologies um, because we understand and have received the certifications to run and operate on certain government networks. As long as an application resides in our platform, they inherit those um, security controls as well, right? They inherit those, those accreditation um, requirements. So um, Hopefully I explained that well enough that dumbed it down. <laughs> so a government agency um, wants, comes to you and looks at your, let's just say your collection of apps that you've collected. Yeah. And they, and if they want to use an app, they can mm -hmm. acquire the license to use it from you because you're already pre-vetted. Already pre-vetted. So they can, yep. So let's say they're looking for an application that does X, Y, and Z. They can come into Game Warden. They can see what applications are running in what environments. So mm -hmm. which ones meet the certain, you know, impact levels is what it's called. Um, what meets what requirements? And then they're like, okay, this is great. This technology has already been vetted. It's already certified. We're going to go talk to that company and try, you know, and and drum up a contract and and utilize that tech. And then, and then how do you guys get paid? So we get paid by the commercial companies oh. running in our environments, right? So just like a, a pass or SaaS subscription model. So they come in and at an annual rate and set up fee, they they run and operate in game warning. So a company, a company that has an app that would have, say, a national security application would mm -hmm. sign up with you guys, pay you a fee. Uh-huh. Their app would end up on your on your platform, your game warden platform, and they pay you a annual subscription period yep. so that they don't have to go and run it down themselves. Right. right. It yeah. saves them not only, you know, 12 to 18 months to go acquire those accreditations and those certifications, um, but it also saves them a lot of money. And so the government gets your service for free and it's funded by the, the by the back and the people who want to sell the apps to to there. So it's a marketing it's a marketing game is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it's a good place and environment to to come and play in so that um you know things are already vetted for you you don't have to worry about it from the government side and then from the commercial side you don't have to go and do all that work on your own excellent we, we've already done it so you you came into the company when it was brand new 
before it even became what it is now, right? We've gone through a couple evolutions. Um, the, the first being starting more or less out as a consultative firm, morphing into a SaaS company, utilizing a product that helped to um, identify and assess these technologies. So we had a um, uh, original product line. We have now more or less sunsetted that. And as we were going out into the market, having conversations about, you know, what those pain points were for both sides, right? The, the commercial and the government, um, we, we solved for, for that need, which was how do we streamline and accelerate the acquisition process of acquiring the most, um, you know, the best tech and the most relevant tech that's available out there. Wow. So what's the journey been like? being with the, at the beginning of a startup and watching <laughs> quadruple in size in four years. I know it's been um, quite rewarding and very humbling, um, <laughs> both simultaneously and always, right? Uh, the thing that I am most impressed by are the experts um, from people's various fields coming to solve for these real problems and having the the desire and the passion behind the mission, right, of ensuring that our warfighters do, in fact, have that, that technology in hand. Um, it's been really neat because as someone who doesn't have that original national security or military background, um, always had respect for the military, but never really understood what this all meant as, as a civilian, right? I joke that I'm the token civilian <laughs> um, that, that came on board. But um, my hope is by having conversations with individuals individuals like yourself, Doug, is um, it's a space that is in dire need of all of the top talent that's out there. Whether you come with the, the background from the beginning of your career um, or whether it's something that you're just genuinely interested in and um, want to, in some fashion, um, contribute to your uh, country in a unique way. Hmm. So what is it that gets you um, most excited every day? Yeah, um, I love my team. Uh, my team's awesome. Uh, like I said, a lot of very smart, intelligent individuals who are who feel called and are, are driven to, to solve these problems eagerly um, and with a ton of heart. And then um, I learn something new every day. I am always in awe of what else there is to, to learn, whether it's about running a company and, and structuring things and then the tactical or the strategic or the tech um, or the competition, right? I mean, it's an ever-changing and evolving industry. And so, you know, there's never a day that goes by where I'm not not learning something new. But how do you how do you approach um, technology that you you, 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 you totally don't even get it? And That's you, way over my head. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure that happens. Oh my gosh, all the time. Um, <laughs> it's really neat. There's there's different podcasts and books that you can read. Um, and I've asked, you know, the, the tech folks on the team, what do you suggest I continue to brush up on knowing that I'm never going to be a coder, right? I'm never going to know how to do that. That's not That's not the path for me. But what might you suggest for me to have a better understanding so that I know how you're moving and operating and how I need to continue to support and able and, and lay down that groundwork and, and challenge the teams day in and day out. So there's various books that I've read. Um, I'm going to look at my bookshelf here for a second so I can like 
say them because I got them all here. So there's the code by Margaret Amara, which is just like Silicon Valley and in, in its history um, from a from a tech vantage point, um, which is super helpful. Um, there's the Pentagon, um, not the Pentagon Wars, that's a movie, which is a funny one. Um, the Pentagon's brain. Um, and then uh there's like there's a coding book over here. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, there's the kill chain. I've learned about that. And there's various things um, that you can read up on or podcasts you can listen to, to to keep you informed and know enough about what questions to ask or to um, maybe ask some clarifying questions, right, uh, to, to get the best high-level understanding of what's being discussed and reviewed. Because that's what you really need is a high-level understanding. Yep. You yeah. Know, you, need, you don't need necessarily to know how it works, just what it does. Yeah. It's, it's good to know some of the how, or at least what they need to do in order to get to, to figure it all out. Um, but it's, it's cool. I mean, we run and operate. Um, so we're a fully remote company, every single person. Really? And we have a, yeah, we have a virtual office in Gathertown. And it's really cool because every now and then, you know, we can, you can go into the office, right. And you can walk around and see people collaborating and you can kind of walk in and it's neat because, um, our, our engineers all do pairing. So no code is, is written without another person, um, next to, to the other so that everyone's continually learning from the other. And we're not, um, dependent on one individual knowing how to do, do the things. Right. So it's neat. I'll walk in sometimes and I'll see things on the screen. I'm like, oh my word, what are you guys doing? And and they'll break it down sometimes. And then, you know, within three seconds of them explaining stuff, I'm like, okay, that's good. I, I, I won't be able to follow the rest. <laughs> so, so the company's entirely virtual, huh? It is. And are people, people all over the world or are they all over the United States or... All over the U.S., we do have a couple who are overseas because they're either traveling um, and whatnot. We are looking to expand into the U.K. this summer, which is exciting. Um, so, yeah, we we just kind of figure out the schedules and learn how to move and groove with one another. Wow. Do you, do you ever get together as a group? We do. We get together. Um, there are individuals who get together more regularly because of the conferences and events that we're attending. So predominantly the growth team are like our solution engineers, our account executives, um, our marketing team. They're they're seeing each other on a more regular cadence, um, obviously, because they're, they're out in the field, um, either calling on accounts, going to these events and, and or conferences. Um, but as a company, we meet twice a year. We have what we call Instead of calling it a company offsite, we call it a company onsite. Uh-huh. Um, so we we come together. We actually have one in about two weeks. Oh, and and hopefully they're at nice places. Oh, it's super fun. Last year we had ours down in Miami, Florida. That was the first one we ever had. Huh. Um, and then um, in two weeks we'll be meeting in DC. Okay, good, excellent. Yeah. And so, what is it in all of this? I mean, you're obviously a very high energy person. What is it that is unique that you bring to the bring to the table? Well, first and foremost, because we are, so we're 50-50 split for the most part, almost, um, between veterans and civilians. In terms of people so, working for the company. Uh-huh. And the individuals who started the company were all veterans. Okay. So from the very beginning, it's been very important for us to keep an eye out 
on what are the best of what the private sector and the public sector have to bring to the table to operate as a mission-driven, high-performing team. And so one of the things that I bring to the table and I'm constantly being aware of is understanding what it's like to step into the defense tech space from with the civilian hat on and having to more or less play the protector and also the the organizer of how we continue to communicate with one another, despite the fact that we we come from different backgrounds and acronyms might mean something differently, or we don't understand the analogies that are, are being brought up in the middle of conversations or how we might have to think about something and flip it on its head to, to better understand where a commercial customer might be coming from or where a government user might be coming from. Right. So these, these vantage points that have to be constantly considered um, and, and looked at. And um, one of the things that I make sure to do is, have a good understanding of everything that's kind of going on down on the ground, um, but also understanding the the larger dynamics at play. Huh. So you've got to be micro and macro. Yep, constantly. And then I'm constantly educating myself on how we continue to think through the ways that we can continue to grow better than we have found it. In no way are we necessarily working to reinvent the wheel or anything, right? There, there are companies, there are technologies, there are teams that have come before us and have done amazing things. So what can we do to learn from those and how might we apply and maybe tweak or adjust um, for where we are as, as an organization and who is on our team and what it is that we're working towards at, at this point in time? So you've got a virtual operation. You're the COO. I would imagine that listening is a probably a pretty important skill. Yes, very much so. Tell us about that. How important is, in, from your perspective, is listening? Obviously very, right? Um, that's, that's how you learn, right? You don't learn through talking. Talking is you proving what you think you might have learned. Um, <laughs> not always what you have, right? Um, but But listening... Um, takes time and it's something that's constantly um, constantly needs to be worked on and addressed. One of the things I make sure to do is along with my direct reports, doing one-on-ones in my teams and quarterly reviews and all, all the basic stuff, um, every person that comes into the company within their first um, 30 to 60 days, I will do a one-on-one with them. And it is, it's very informal but it is a touch point where I can listen to see where they live, what industry they came from or company, you know, how things have been going just in general. And then my favorite question is like, what questions they have for me? And it's really neat because I get a lot of uh, varying questions of like where people's heads are at or, or what they might want um, continue uh, to, to learn from or context on based on me and my role and how long I've been here and, and, and how I see things. Um, from, you know, from the very beginning, more or less, to, to now and, and what we, you know, hope for in the future. Huh. So I imagine as the COO, you see your teams face some messiness every now and then. They might mess, messiness, things get a little messy. Oh, it gets chaotic for sure. How do you, I how, thrive in chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you manage that? So 
we do retros, right? Um, we take the time bi-weekly to speak through what are the good things that have had have happened in the last two weeks? What are the things that you learned that you didn't know already? What are those things that you know can be improved on? And then what are some of those ideas or random thoughts or aha moments that, that occurred? And so what we do is we take time to sit together as a team and go through that, that process, document it with like stickies and stuff like that in um, a platform called Lucid. And um, then we speak through what potential actions we might need to take to address some of those, those things that are coming up that are causing um, some oscillation or misunderstanding or whatever it might be. Along with the retro, we do regular stand-ups, you know, what you did yesterday, what you're planning on doing today, and what you have planned for the rest of the week. So each team is more or less running and operating on their own type of sprint ceremony cycles. So it's like, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with sprints. That's typically what tech teams um, are, are running off of. It's like every two weeks, here's the, the block of work. Um, but the cool thing is, is at least what I've done here at Second Front, which has served us well. Um, and kind of just organically happened is we have these frameworks that we put into place, but we make them as flexible as possible so that each team can adapt to them and their needs. Um, so it gives them, you know, the baseline, the foundation to work from and, and the tools, but it allows them to, to tweak it and have it fit, you know, the cadence of, of what they expect. So having these regular continuous checkpoints, um, whether it's for, for the stand-up or the retro, um, gives people the opportunity to share where they're where they're at, um, see where their teammates are at, and then the floor if there's things that need to be addressed. So providing that that vulnerability and visibility um, as, as best we can, right? I would imagine that again, as as the COO, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff gets decided at lower levels, it gets resolved at lower levels, but eventually it floats up to you. I mean, the bigger problems float up to you. Sometimes, right? yeah. Sometimes it percolates. And then and and then you have to respond, you have to respond to the problem. What are some of the kinds of problems that you typically see? So the ones I typically see larger contract negotiations with vendors, right? So if we hit a certain threshold um dollar amount, or if it's something that's going to, you know, impact the entire org from a tech stack standpoint, um, those things need need to be brought to my attention so that we're clearly thinking through um, how we are applying resources to it, whether it's money, people, what's the deployment plan? Is this an interim solution or is this something that will grow and scale with us? So anything that comes to the table that will impact how we're running and operating um, across the teams um, certainly, certainly falls within in my wheelhouse. Um, budgetary things. So while I was the interim CFO for almost a year, so, um, we have our CFO getting onboarded and still getting into the weeds of everything, but like, I know everything, um, that has come through the door and has gone out the door. So, um, there's, there's a lot of knowledge that I, that I hold, um, that with context, um, I can continue to inform other decision makers, um, how they might think through these things or why I might be expecting certain certain details around certain choices that may, need to be made. Like, for instance, we have our offset symposium, which is our annual event that we throw every year in D.C. in two weeks. It's part of the reason why I 
um, put the the on site just thereafter. Um, but there are a lot of decisions regarding that. Uh, where are we hosting it? The location? How are we? How are we attracting? Uh, what's the budget on it? Th those types of things. So that's that's where I kind of keep a pulse check um, to ensure that we're we're being um, scrappy and savvy uh, with with how we're spending our time and our resources. So how do you how do you work with the the, the three founders? who are also officers of the company. How, how does all that work? That's the senior leadership team, I presume. Yeah, so um, Peter, uh, the founder, is our CEO. One of our um, co-founders, because we did a pivot from our um, original uh, tech offering to the new one, has, has stepped aside. And then our um, other co-founder and president last year passed away suddenly. So with um all those changes last year it is now the the one founder that remains a ceo um and the other two no longer with us and how 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 do you how do you two work together well we know each other well we've known each other for almost a decade now so i knew i knew peter prior to um my time at second front he was actually visiting a army base out in warren michigan um which is about 20 minutes from where I live now. And he was coming through. He called me and my husband, Matt, up. He's like, hey, you guys want to go grab dinner? I'm in town for this conference. And at the time, I just rounded out my time at Salesforce, was wrapping up my MBA and had my first son, Leo. And we went to dinner. And that's when he was telling me, I, I had heard some stuff about Second Front because it had already been going for about a year or two. But he was telling me more about what they were doing, how they were growing, et cetera. And then that's when he kind of called on me. So it's been really neat that he he understands and knows what his strengths are from the um, the the military background that he has as a former Marine. And then, you know, he he also worked at the Pentagon for a little while. So he's just got his head wrapped around that sector very well. And then he knows that I've got mine in in that that sales marketing and um software background from from the commercial side so it's been really cool to kind of molding of the minds so you will um as we as we troubleshoot chat through problems think through solving things um and and how to to better action forward sounds like you've got quite the team put together we do we really do and and you know the quality what i what i i learned a lot listening to and i think some some of the most important things I've learned about leadership in interviewing many, many people on this podcast is that hire the very best people you can find and let them do their jobs. Yes. Top talent. Never have we been in a position to acquire top talent either. Right. Um, while my heart goes out to all of those who have lost their jobs with the larger tech companies and, and all the layoffs going down, um, these defense tech companies are in dire need of that tech talent um, and that top and that top commercial talent to come and be a part of this this niche, right? Um, that this industry that is ever growing, um, and it's not going anywhere, right? Right. So, mm -hmm. um, if if you've got a knack for being in the the tech industry um and somewhat of a desire to uniquely serve your country in a way that you never thought was possible because like i can attest to that i mean i hear for it right um 
why wouldn't you consider it? It's so cool. Like along with the cool, the, the smart individuals I get to work with day in and day out, the hard problems that we're actually solving for, it's like, it's a really cool thing to say. <laughs> it is, you know, you, you take a lot of pride in it. I do, I do. And I never thought I'd feel this drawn to a mission. Um, so it's it's been really, really cool to experience. And it's, you know, since you're all virtual, you get to, I mean, I know there's a lot of hard work involved, but you also get to manage work-life balance a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I like to call it work-life harmony, but yeah. There you go, work-life harmony. And you've been able to do that. Very much so. Um, we were remote before before COVID and all of that. So I think that helped. Um, but because of how the founders were running and operating from the get-go, it established some precedents and laid down the foundation of how we choose to run and operate as a company. And it has been, it's been awesome, especially for me as I, you know, don't live in DC, right? In the Mecca of where defense um, is being discussed, right? Uh, I was also growing my family. So I have two sons now. I've got a four and a half year old Leo and then my um, 20 month old Michael. And I just can't imagine being able to contribute all that I have and being a part of everything here at Second Front had I not had the opportunity to be remote and to more or less take full-blown ownership, right, of how I run the business. Yeah, I mean, you are in total contrast to Elon Musk. <laughs> others like him who say that you got to be here at the office. Yeah, I I could see, I can see why um, certain industries or certain roles might benefit more from the in-person. There are definitely moments in time where I wish we were all at the office together or that we could regularly make it so. Because there is beauty and fruitfulness that comes from those um, consistent face-to-face engagements. Like we we all know that, right? The human connection and engagement and interaction is is powerful um, when in-person versus versus the virtual. I think though, if you join a company and you are far enough in your career, and we could argue about what point in time that might be, but to know the nuances and um, have the understanding of your competencies, your autonomy, and your ability to relate to your coworkers, something I learned from Smart Growth, um, Whitney, Whitney Johnson speaks to that, then you're positioned to, to be successful to meet those expectations and deliver on those outcomes. Wow. All right, one more question. Yeah, please. What is the one thing about yourself that we would never know unless you revealed it to us? So I said this um, in the uh, Authority Magazine interview. Um, I, everyone laughs, I wanted to be on Broadway when I was younger. And no one's surprised when I tell them, but they obviously don't know because here I am, this executive businesswoman that, funny enough, yes, I have my MBA, but I studied theology and gender studies in um, my undergrad. And then prior to that, I was singing, dancing, acting all all the time um, as a little girl. So um, it's been really neat to carry over those things that I love doing into business in a way. Um, 
but yeah, it was like my dream job to be, to be on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. But I think you've got your dream job now. I do. I really do. And it's neat, right? Cause performing, learning your lines and your scripts and, and getting in front of the audience, like being in sales, marketing, and now executive, I, I have to know my industry, my script, my audiences. It's, it's, you know, whether it's potential or current employees, potential or current investors, um, you know, I have to, I have to be that stronghold and play that part and take the time and practice and be diligent. And, you know, until I go through the entire process, I won't know whether or not I'll get a standing ovation at the end, right? We gotta, we gotta see it through, see what the numbers tell us, and and whether or not we're continuing to to grow and scale. So it's been, um, it's been really neat, and there's definitely been different different acts, right, of of stages of my career and of of Second Front. So it's well, been it's been a really neat experience. I can relate to that. I'm a jazz violinist myself. Oh no way! So I love that. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, we've come to the end of the half hour. I really appreciate your time, Chrissy. It's been really fun talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Doug. And um, yes, anyone who wants to learn more about Second Front, please go to secondfront.com. Um, or if you want to continue conversations with me, I am more than willing to do so. So please find me on LinkedIn, um, Chrissy McGarry. Shoot me a DM and, and happy to talk about um, leadership, listening, growing companies, scaling um, the, the whole bit. So thank you, Doug. I, I appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listeningwithleaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Knoll. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.